0: Hello and welcome to Saffron Cut, a podcast for developers about building great products. Today, I'm excited to welcome Michael Grinch, founder and CEO of WorkOS. Michael, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Darko. Excited to be here.
0: Great. So yeah, please feel free to go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: So as Darko said, my name is Michael Grinch. I'm the founder of WorkOS, which is a company that provides APIs for really easily adding enterprise features to your app. So things like single sign-on, directory integration, skim provisioning, all these integrations with IT systems that you need to go close enterprise customers. They're complicated to build. We just make an API that you integrate that's really, really easy to add those features to your app. I was thinking a good place to start might be telling the story of how I kind of came up with this idea. It's sort of an unusual company to start. And so tell a little bit about my backstory and go from there. So... You know, I got my start in SaaS if you zoom back about 10 years or so. I was interning at Dropbox when I was a student at MIT, and I kind of just fell in love with startups. Dropbox was really small at the time, and just this idea of being able to build tools for, you know, global productivity and change the way people work, it was super captivating to me. I didn't know what SaaS was. I didn't really know that there was like other ways to build software other than, you know, web and API stuff and productivity apps, but I wanted to start a company. And so I had this project in my dorm room, which was an email project that I was working on and worked on this for a couple of years on the side. And this turned into a company called Nihilus, which is an email company. And when we started the company, really the vision there was to change how people communicate and change the fundamental way that people get work done. So we built a desktop app, cross-platform, one of the first Electron apps. There's a lot of amazing technology in this. And I took the same growth model as Dropbox, right? That bottom-up self-serve, Anybody can adopt it and download it and use it. It was open source on GitHub, so some people listening might have seen Nihilus N1 or Nihilus Mail is what it was named. So we got a lot of users actually adopting this and bringing it to work, and it was going great and growing. And, you know, we obsessed around the design of this thing. Like, I spent a month looking at typefaces for the app because it's all text, you know, email's all text. I hired a musician to make custom notification sounds and went to their studio. as like a video game sound designer because you hear email notifications all day. So we just obsessed around the detail of this product, which is why it was great. About a year after launching it, we decided, hey, we're ready to start monetizing and making money. And so I do the same thing that I saw Dropbox do, which is go to the top users and go to them and say, hey, let's get you to you know, pay for a group license, a team license. So I went into these big companies where we would have you know 100 users out of thousands of employees say, hey, I'm Michael from Nylas. Who here buys software? And I get pointed at the IT department. And that's the very first time I ever talked to anybody in IT. And the feedback from those people who, you know, ultimately controlled the budget, they were ultimately the buyer, was that, hey, we love your app, it looks great, we've seen it on Twitter or Product Hunt or whatever, but they actually couldn't buy it. And in many cases, it actually went against their security policy, so they had to shut it down. And what I realized in that moment is even though we had focused on this end user experience that drove forward the growth of the app. We had never really considered the economic buyer of the company and all the security needs that they had. And ultimately, when we realized this, there was no way we were going to be able to sustain that as a product and add all that stuff in. It was just way, way too complicated. So unfortunately, we ended up shutting down that product completely. We open sourced it and really just killed it. And the company pivoted to being more of a tool used for sales and marketing automation. So a little bit less, in my mind, illustrious than changing global productivity, you know? (laughs) But still good for developers. So I ended up leaving the company after sort of my baby was killed in a way and spent about a year trying to think what to do next. What do I want to work on and traveled around a bit, like grew a beard and was just wandering around trying to figure out what to do. And I kept coming back to this problem. Like, why is it that we built the product that users loved? I mean, I still talk to people today who say, oh, you built Nihilus Mail. I love that. That app was great. We had this incredible feedback from users, but ultimately it didn't work as a business. And what I've realized is that there's this structural problem around SaaS, where if you focus on exclusively the core user experience and you get adoption, there's this whole other set of features you're going to have to work on and build. And if you don't do that, you're really stuck, like you actually won't be able to get those deals. I mentioned I worked at Dropbox, you know, when I was a student, you think about Box Dropbox versus Box, that's exactly the kind of dyad there where Box did all the enterprise features and got the enterprise users from that. It's very hard to catch up. So the goal for WorkOS, the reason I started this company is to fix this and structurally provide this set of tools and APIs that allows your app to become enterprise ready so you can integrate in literally a couple hours and then get all this stuff done. It's really something that is the same code that you would write no matter what you're building. A lot of people compare WorkOS, they call it... Stripe for enterprise features, or Plaid, sometimes people compare us to that, where we're integrating across all these systems and supporting apps. So that's the story of how how we came to this kind of nutty idea. But it turns out it's going pretty well. And we're helping a lot of companies grow. And I think especially with just the explosion in new SaaS products and new workplace tools, we're in a pretty good spot and able to help a lot of folks cross the enterprise chasm.
0: Hey everyone! Sanford has published an open source book called CI CD with Docker and Kubernetes. It combines just the right amount of best practices and practical advice for shipping cloud native apps. Download your free copy today at sanfordci.com. There is a. Great talk by Michael that I discovered during preparations that I was doing for this podcast that we can link in the show notes. It's called uh, Crossing the Enterprise Chasm.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I gave this talk, I think it was a year and a half ago, roughly from right now. So it was in the fall of 2019. And this is like nine months before we launched WorkOS as a company. We were just a really small stealth mode, seed funded. And the talk Crossing the Enterprise Chasm is all about when you build a product, when you decide to go up market and go sell to bigger customers, the chasm that exists between those early adopter customers who are don't really need the security features or maybe they're a smaller organization, and then the more mid-market or larger customers who need things like single sign on or skim integration for directory, you know, sync and provisioning, or they need audit logs or access control policy or all these different features. And kind of how companies get stuck in this mode, you know, because it ends up needing to be something that you ultimately have to focus on to get those customers. And that talk's a pretty great just kind of intro and overview. It turns out crossing the enterprise chasm, it's more complicated than just an API. (laughs) Like what we provide solves a lot of engineering time. It literally saves like years of engineering time that you would have internally. And it's just SaaS, you just plug it in, you're good to go. But there's a lot of other things that you need to do when you make that transition, including change how you price the product, change your packaging, so potentially have different features and different levels, need to think about your marketing and your messaging and kind of your overall go to market strategy. And even think about, you know, hiring salespeople for a lot of these companies, when they have strong bottom up adoption, they're usually like, hey, we'll never need to hire sales. And you know, that's a great dream. But ultimately, there's customers that just have to talk to someone before they buy. So it might be a really easy sales process. But you'll just need to think about making this transition. So WorkOS doesn't help you hire salespeople <laughs> or just do the infrastructure, but the talk is a great overview of a lot of those concepts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. So WorkOS is a customer of Semaphore for our like CI, CD, things that you need to do. But Sanfor is not yet a customer of 4Quest, but there is a good chance that we will be. <laughs> yeah, I wanted maybe just to reiterate of what you're saying. We are on the market for, uh, you know, five plus years, and we have been, you know, slowly swimming up market and building the things that, you know, will just satisfy some of those criterias that you were mentioning. So, for instance, you know, all the audit logs things, that's something that we had to build, and then a number of other things. So maybe it would be great for you to share us also from the engineering perspective, building those integrations. You know, what are you know, some of the challenges that people you know, might solve by using WorkOS? Or maybe you could even give advice if they end up, you know, decide to build a lab integration themselves. <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't recommend it. Yeah, I can talk a little bit about that. So, you know, WorkOS is very much like any other infrastructure SaaS company. And just kind of how the economics fall out is a win-win on every side. So I can kind of describe why. So say you're, you guys, Semaphore, right? You're moving a market and you have a bunch of customers, maybe actually not a bunch, maybe just a handful that are saying, hey, we want SSO. We need to have integration with Okta, say Okta, you know, the identity system. And some people are saying, hey, we need Microsoft SSO, or some people are saying we need, you know, login or Ping or these other SAML systems. But, you know, the top one is Okta. And so you take an engineer and you say, okay, go spend a few weeks building this. So usually that SSO code that you write is written quickly. It's kind of a one-off. It's usually done for a single identity system. And you're just trying to get it done as fast as possible so you can get back to building Semaphore, right? The core product experience that you have. What that ends up resulting in is a pretty brittle integration and only with one identity system. And so you have to go back you know, say a few months later and then build a Microsoft one and then try to generalize it. And the challenge is you're kind of like continuously just adding, you know, to this system that ends up being pretty brittle. And those integrations with these enterprise identity systems or directory systems, although they don't feel like your core product experience, there's some of the most important code that you're writing because all of your enterprise customers are going to interface through them. And so there's this hard trade-off where it's something you don't really want to spend time on. You shouldn't, you should focus on your core product experience but at the end of the day, you really have to do this stuff well. And that's where WorkOS can step in and actually provide what's a best-of-class solution. So we've spent, gosh, I don't even know at this point how many you know engineering years worth of time building our SSO integration. And it works everywhere with all identity systems. doesn't matter if it's Okta or OneLogin or Ping Identity or Shibboleth servers or Open ID and all these systems, and we've really like debugged you know every single small detail around this constantly. Also with many different customers, and so as a developer integrating WorkOS, you just essentially get the best of class solution right away out of the box. And we price it like very affordably; it's forty nine dollars per connection per month. So you know for less than six hundred bucks a year, you can onboard your first enterprise customer in just like a couple hours. The integration is OAuth, so it completely changes the game, right? Where otherwise you would need to have engineers spend a bunch of time on this. Or maybe you say, oh, we're going to push off SSO and not worry about it for a long time. Suddenly, you can actually unlock those deals really, really fast. And developers are happy to do the work OS integration because we have really nice documentation and we've built SDKs for a ton of different languages. where a team of engineers who just obsess around that kind of stuff too. And it's very much like if you think back, you know, maybe 15 years or 20 years, you know, before something like AWS, if you wanted to build... A web app, you had to like literally go buy servers and go rack them yourself, and like go to a colo and plug it in, and you could do it. It just took a long time, and you know you wouldn't do it for a small project. It had to be a more you know beefy endeavor and all of that. And WorkOS is kind of similar in the way that previously you had to do all this stuff yourself. Now you can just use us as infrastructure that's hosted. And you know today, like well over a hundred applications are powered by WorkOS. We only launched like last spring summer, so it's pretty fast. And some bigger names too, Webflow, I can mention. So all of Webflow's enterprise auth goes through WorkOS. They've grown like wild the past past few years. Another one is Hopin, which recently launched their WorkOS integration and is doing online events. So we're not just powering small companies. It's really some like big players in the SaaS world. Single sign-on is the most important thing people need first. It's sort of the first thing, like probably this is what people have asked you for (laughs) at Semaphore. But there's a lot of other features, like I mentioned, like the directory or skim integration, plugging into the fragmented HR systems out there, audit logging for compliance and data retention, that whole world. These are the features that we get excited about, we obsess over. So if they sound boring to developers, at least the good news is you won't have to think about this if you use WorkOS.
0: Yeah, I remember, you know, just starting to dig through the LDAP, for instance, you know, specification, which was, you know, a couple of years back. And I guess very few people who are listening to this would want to dig into that spec.
1: Oh, boy, SAML's even worse. (laughs) You know, like SAML, I feel like there's maybe like five people in the world that truly understand XML canonicalization. (laughs) It's just like such a hard thing. And, you know, the problem with SAML is the spec is really like, I don't want to say poorly written, but it's kind of underspecified. And so people implement it in a lot of different ways. There's not a reference implementation or reference test. And so we've seen things with, you know, like SAP's SAML connector is totally non-standard and different than how, you know, Okta provides SAML or Microsoft has a different protocol called ADFS. Then our job at WorkOS is to plug in and unify all these things together. The unfortunate thing with these open protocols, I think, is that they end up being defined early on with the IETF, you know, and put into some kind of spec or standard, but then it ends up being hyper fragmented and everyone is slightly different. And it's funny, I experienced the same thing at Nihilus when we were building with IMAP and SMTP, you know, in the MIME structure for email file. IMAP, although it's an open protocol and they're on version four, it's many, many different implementations across many, many different services. And so our goal at WorkOS is to unify that for something like SAML or OpenID Connect, and just kind of, you know, solve the whole experience end to end in a unified way. So in the same way with Stripe, you know, you don't care if if they're in France or Germany or the US or Brazil, you can accept payments anywhere. With WorkOS, you can accept enterprise customers with any system that they're using.
0: Yeah, nicely said. You probably answered it at least partially the next question that I had, and that's, what are some of the technical challenges that you were seeing in this phase of creating WorkOS?
1: Yeah, I can mention a few things. So I'm really attracted to work on these infrastructure problems, these kind of like underlying plumbing systems. And, you know, (laughs) I live in California and like Silicon Valley and San Francisco, and it's sort of not the shiny stuff that most people are attracted to out here. But I just find it so rewarding to build tools for developers to see what other people can build on top of it. One of the challenges around this, and this is kind of the same thing, even working with email data, my previous company is that there's just like a different level of seriousness you have to have around correctness and security right out of the gate, especially with what we're building around authentication. It's kind of some of the most mission-critical code that your app might interface with. And so there's not really a, you know, ship it fast and hope it doesn't break attitude. You have to just be really, really rigorous around everything. And you can just incorporate that into the way that you work, but it involves, you know, kind of a different level of maturity or seriousness around building infrastructure like that. And that sometimes can be a challenge, Especially for engineers that haven't worked in that kind of environment or that kind of system. So that's one thing. And you know, we've done all the stuff around external compliance like SOC two type two, and we went through a code audit and security review and all that stuff that we do great on. But there's also the internal attitudes and internal IT security and how we secure our own systems, which is in some ways more important than just the external certification. So that's one thing. The other thing I would say is that there's a challenge in building a system like this that's sort of an integration layer. WorkOS is this integration plane that plugs into many different systems where we're kind of engineering against other components that we can't really test end to end. It's almost like black box. And so when we plug into Workday, for example, which is one of our integrations, we don't have like a reference implementation of Workday and Workday keeps changing. We're kind of constantly adapting and plugging into these unknown systems. And the way you develop a system like that requires a lot more just fundamental observability or monitoring into the system so you know at any moment the health of how it's behaving. And you can kind of think about it as like an organism that's always evolving in some way for the market. And that's just very different than you know if you build, say like a Rails app or a web app where it's all self-contained and you can you know mock everything and test everything end to end. We end up having to write a lot of code to ensure correctness and just build this robust system interfacing with third parties. That's also kind of a different challenge. It's something they don't really teach you how to do in school and it's pretty unique
0: hey i'm going to take a quick break here and tell you that sanfor has a new book out called ci cd with docker and kubernetes if you are looking to deploy cloud native apps it's going to show you the most productive way of doing that and the best of all it's free download your free copy today at sanforci.com to add something from our experiences CIC, the systems have their own, you know, set of challenges. They must be distributed by definition, you know, because you need to scale things and so on. So I can relate to that very much. I wanted to ask what's a practical approach that you took to those lack of reference implementations for, you know, those companies and those are like proprietary identity providers. Right, right. And as you said, they are evolving and changing, satisfying their customers' needs.
1: Yeah, how to do that? Uh, <laughs> you know, there's no silver bullet. It just requires a lot of kind of understanding of that problem and focus on it. There's a couple of things that we've done. I think the first thing is we've built relationships with these companies. So we've talked to them and said, hey, we want to work with you. So, you know, funny, sometimes when people see WorkOS, they ask me, like, aren't you guys competitive with Okta? And, you know, we're not at all. Okta is actually probably our top integration that people, you know, plug in to get Okta through WorkOS. We know a bunch of people at Okta. I've talked to Todd, the CEO, a handful of times already. And it's funny, people at Okta actually send customers to WorkOS because Okta serves the IT admin <laughs> and WorkOS helps developers plug into these systems. And so I think one thing is just being open and connecting with those people in the ecosystem and saying, hey, we're not competitive with you. We want to work with you. Sometimes that requires like, quite long conversations. So we have an integration with Gusto the HR system, and it took me 10 months of talking to Gusto's partnerships team to get API keys, because it was just evolving so fast that, you know, building that relationship, it's not just get an API key, it's actually the more understanding as a partner, you know, how to plug in. So I do a lot of work, and our team does a lot of work like that to build those, you know, kind of soft connections to companies, not just uh, data connections.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely not just how do we create and maintain a reference implementation, but it's on a connection on multiple levels.
1: Yep. The second thing is we just honestly test the hell out of all this. (laughs) And oftentimes this requires creating test credentials for so many different services. And a lot of these systems aren't used to developers testing. And so we actually have like, we provide developers test credentials for Okta. Our customers can have a test run through there. But, you know, for something like Bamboo HR, for example, when we built that integration, we just kept signing up for trial Bamboo HR systems. And we have that in RCI CD. I think it's like running the test through Semaphore. And, you know, the poor engineer on our team that kept setting these up, the bamboo sales reps keep calling and be like, hey, aren't you going to, are you buying bamboo HR?" It's like, no, 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 I'm just a developer. I'm plugging into your system. But (laughs) that's kind of the downside is actually working with all these different systems. And we internally have a list of test credentials for all the major HR and identity and directory systems out there. So a lot of it is just the kind of hard work of doing that testing. And that means that our customers don't have to test it, right? We do that for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There are schools of like testing and how you approach things. End-to-end tests are great. It's usually very hard to maintain them and create them. One of the reasons, as you said, just managing those credentials and, you know, spinning up those dependencies on and off. As you said, you must be very rigorous. Otherwise you are, you know, creating a lot of problems for our customers. What's the approach that you took there? Are you really doing end-to-end everything with live providers before deploying to production?
1: There's different strategies to take. So we build you know, unit tests. We have integration tests. We have smoke tests. We have UI tests that actually run in our dashboard application. We have another app that's called the Admin Portal, which is the UI that's shown to IT admins to set up and configure stuff. So it's like self-serve setup SAML. That has tests in it end-to-end. Yeah, we run tests using live credentials against these third-party systems but the thing is oftentimes when things ultimately end up breaking it's not a bug that we introduced it's one of these third party systems that we've plugged into that's changed in a way and so the testing in that regard is often just alerting of the issue it's actually not like can point to a line of code where the issue comes up and so as i think about our testing philosophy or our testing methodology it includes a lot of observability and bug alerting as well and sort of how our team responds to this kind of you know incidents and we have a pretty fast loop around identifying an issue that has come up in terms of a broken authentication or broken provider and fixing that you know within minutes but i would say the reason that we can focus on that is because we have such robust underlying ci cd and our ci tests are so comprehensive you know when we're introducing code we're really confident we're not introducing a regression there and so it's a really key part of how we develop i actually don't know the numbers but like i wouldn't be surprised if like half our code base is tests
0: that is interesting thanks for your kind words about semaphore
1: and we've tried a lot of other ones and we landed on semaphore i won't name your competitors that we were trying before
0: (laughs) thank you for both things (laughs) yeah great so if i would try to explain it to myself so as you said, okay, when we are making changes, we are running our tests, and obviously we're expecting things to change. But yeah, there are those unannounced changes that break the system, even if you are not changing anything, and you must catch that as soon as possible, ideally before your customers, which makes that observability, monitoring, and alerting a super important part of it.
1: Yeah, if you think about Work OS as an API for doing authentication, any API request that fails could be a user failing to log in ultimately. And so we have a really, really high bar in terms of those APIs, you know, succeeding. And there's a lot of infrastructure stuff we've done such that requests are never dropped. Even when we do deploys, you know, it has like an intelligent routing layer that handles that. But essentially anytime there's a 500 that gets thrown, it's sort of a hair on fire problem for the team to drop everything and go work on. Because keeping that core utility and that core correctness up is the most important thing that we do for our customers.
0: Yeah. Would you say that every 500 that you experience is immediately raised to a critical level and it's like drop whatever you're doing and go and fix it?
1: I wouldn't say it like pages the whole team in that way, but it's definitely addressed. Like there's no errors that occur in the work of system that we don't look at very, very closely on a daily basis and assess whether it's an issue or not. But we do, I would say in almost every case, know about these issues before customers report them as bugs. You know, we're usually already working on that. Nine times out of 10, somebody says, hey, we just heard about this issue from a user or we saw this in our logs and we actually have a fix that's on the way to production, you know, going through our infrastructure. So that fast follow, I think that's the only reliable way to build a system that interfaces with these unknown third parties. And that going back to what I was saying earlier, that's just like a kind of a different modality of software engineering. You're sort of like, operating on this live beast as it's moving and it's a little bit different than you know say if you're working on like a static analyzer a compiler and you can just like put your headphones on and listen to some techno and just write code for three weeks <laughs> it doesn't really work for like building a system like this for customers
0: I can relate to that a lot on the emotional side you can imagine what happens if SAM for is you know jobs are not starting for you know, let's say three minutes or God forbid 15 minutes I mean over time we learned that. Of course. But we have to reiterate that a number of times. You know, what's the most important feature of CI system? Well, it's to be reliable and stable. <laughs> and that relates to you also, because it's such a critical part of infrastructure. It's not that welcome email will not go out. Is the customer will not log in?
1: You know, it's interesting. Work OS is in the critical path for an application because you just logging in. Enterprise users have to log in through it if you've adopted it. And we take that extraordinarily seriously. You know, we provide a lot of value there, but it's also a huge responsibility. You know, people really trust us with a lot. I think the interesting thing about Semaphore is a lot of people in the past haven't thought about testing or their integration system or the deployment system as being sort of the critical path. But as more and more companies move towards continuous deployment, and this is just the model, it's effectively an outage because you can't ship new code and it stops your team. And so... I can definitely tell you if Semaphore went down, our team would not be happy and it would stop us from being able to update quickly and serve customers in that way. That's sort of a different mode for modern companies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. What are some of the next steps for WarQuest in terms of features or integrations? What do you see as the next big thing?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to do. (laughs) So it turns out the world of enterprise features is just like a huge laundry list of things that companies need. And you can almost see this, like if you want to guess what WorkOS's roadmap is, just go to an established SaaS company, you know, like Slack and go to their pricing page and look at the enterprise pricing and look at all the bullet points there of features. And those are all the things that we're building as APIs for customers. So there's a tremendous amount to build
0: a lot of non-cool things i would say for a majority of tech people if i would building them and coding them i would see them as a list of very unsexy um, features to say
1: yeah unexciting to build one of the exciting things about building work os like why i find this so satisfying is we get to enable developers to spend time working on the features that are interesting to them that are more unique you know you kind of jump to the finish line for all of your enterprise features by using work os and the cool thing today is, you know, we already have a bunch of customers that have come on board in the last six months, last year. And we're sort of just keeping pace with them. And so, you know, we'll have people come to us and say, Hey, have you thought about building X or building Y or Z? And it turns out we're already working on that, because we already know that it's coming up. and We're like, Oh, yeah, we're gonna have that ready for you in Q3. Don't worry about it. And so the relationship we have with these companies that are our users is actually this more almost like partnership model where you know, there's this old cartoon, I remember, I think it's a train like Wiley e. Coyote is like sitting on the front of a train and is like putting down the track, you know, as the train is moving. And it's kind of like that. We're like doing that for our customers where we're laying down the track right in front of them for all the enterprise features that they need. If you're building a modern SaaS app, certainly you'll never have to think about SSO or anything related to SAML or that, but you also never have to think about that for directory or skim. You'll never have to think about that for audit logs and compliance or access control policy or all these other things that are needed for enterprise customers. And when you go into that conversation, when you go into that first meeting with IT, and they send you their long list of bullet points, and they're really stern, and they're like, we're going to need all this to buy it. Instead of saying, no, we don't have those features. Sorry. You can say, yep, we check all the boxes. We just use WorkOS. And it's not only we have those features, but we know they're going to be great, because we know this is a you know a platform that satisfies everything. And that's kind of my dream is to allow people to you know, focus on their unique features and just build more apps and get it used in more companies and for WorkOS just to be infrastructure that's powering that behind the scenes.
0: Great. Let's then wrap up with that. Thank you so much. In the show notes, we are going to share a link to our talk. I think it's a very interesting talk with a lot of people who are either engineering of products that are SaaS, which are a lot of our customers. Or generally, you know, busy people, founders can also relate to that. And of course, we're going to share the links to the broadcast and where can people find more about it.
1: Yeah, if anyone's listening and they want to chat about this stuff, I'm on Twitter and my DMs are open. So just feel free to shoot me a note. I am totally a geek for this enterprise feature stuff, as I'm sure you've heard. So reach out anytime. I'd love to chat with anyone about this.
0: That's great. Thank you, Michael.
1: Thanks for having me, Darko.